y'all. Welcome to the Floating the Travel podcast. I'm Lexi. And I'm Misty. And today we're really getting into Misty's expat life and what it's like for her. I'm going to tell you now, it's an adventure. And maybe she needs to enter adventure. Okay, so an expat is when you live outside of your country and you're working in another country um, doing, you know, various different things. Okay. And how long have you been an expat? So I've been working in Kuwait for four years. Nice. You've been, I mean, let's not undercut it, because you've been overseas for far longer. I have. December 31st, 2019 makes my 10-year anniversary. That's exciting. Are you going to do anything to celebrate it? I'll be in Ghana. That's awesome. That's so, fun. you know, in Ghana, it's the one, one fest. No, I don't know. So it's like this big uh, musical, like Afrochella. Oh, that's kind of fun. Like, yeah. kind of like Afropunk in Paris? Similar. But Basically not. the same thing, yeah. Okay. It's going to be all of, like, all the Afrobeat artists, all of the African artists are going to be there. Oh, that's exciting. A lot of people are going. I didn't realize how many people were going. But that is, like, when you... Mm-hmm. So, to kind of bring it back to the expat, when you live abroad, a lot of people just naturally travel. It's just a thing. Mm-hmm. I think we don't travel as much in the States because... America is so large, we don't really get passports often, and um, overseas, once you have a passport, you're like, where can I go? Let's move around. Gotcha. I mean, so you're still pretty young. Did you travel before you became an expat, or did that start after? So, I think I started, I started contracting, so I moved overseas when I was 24. Mm-hmm. I don't think we, we went to Jamaica for mm-hmm. our, I think that was our first trip, right? We severely overpacked. We looked like we were coming to America with like 17 suitcases, right. two trucks. All to, check bags. <laughs> to carry us everything. We had 15 pairs of shoes a person. Um, but no, I think after that, I've been in Jamaica a couple of times. I did some local trips. You know how you mm-hmm. do your Miamis and your Atlantas. Uh, but I didn't really like travel, travel, like really get into it until I started going overseas. Okay. So how did being an expat kind of change travel for you then? Well, I will say that once you're once you're already gone, mm-hmm. once you're away from home, you just naturally want to see more places because you start meeting other people that travel a lot and they're telling you stories and so you want to go about it. It's like when you were in Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Did you did you come up with that on your own or did you just like did you want to do it or did somebody say, "Hey, you should go check this place out?" A lot of people are like, "Hey, you should go check this place out." But then I was like, "Well, I'm here and the flights are really right. close." Because what people and she, don't understand is how far flights are in the U.S. to get anywhere. So I was upset because I had to fly from Atlanta to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I was really pissed off that the ticket cost me, what did it cost me, like $800. And I'm like, what the fuck? Right? Because you buy your tickets the same day. Like, you just refuse <laughs> to buy your tickets two, three weeks They're out. They're still like, expensive. Oh. Delta is just expensive. I guess I could fly on Spirit or Frontier. But even they have the audacity to charge $400. Really? Spirit? Ergonomically, I mean, by the time you pay, you have to pay for to put your bag up ahead of you. Then don't carry a bag. You're coming home. You have to pay to breathe. I mean, whatever. So being like <laughs> I'm just saying. So, right. So, comparatively speaking, mm-hmm. once you get used to seeing the prices, because what Atlanta to Vegas is a four and a half hour flight. Mm-hmm. From Kuwait to Amsterdam, that's a six hour flight. From Kuwait to Barcelona, it's a five and a half hour flight. Mm-hmm. And the tickets are only ever like five to seven hundred US dollars. So in our minds, I mm-hmm. think like 
we we one I saw realized how large America is once I came back and had to pay a nine hundred dollar ticket to just go home. But then you realize how close everything is. Mm-hmm. So that's where you start going. And then everybody travels. Like just it's a whole thing. Like, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going. If it's a long weekend or a holiday weekend, they're like, um, I'm leaving. I'm not staying in this place. Who would do that? <laughs> and you feel like a fool, like, well, I was kinda gonna stay because I pay rent, but whatever. Right? I feel like all my stuff is here and I like it, but whatever. Right, like save some money. So how often do you travel then? Well, okay, I travel very often. I think if I'm grounded more than like two months, 60 Mm -hmm. days, like 60 consecutive days that I've had to be in Kuwait, Mm -hmm. I start having like cabin fever. I've got to go. It's like I got to go somewhere, even if it's Dubai, which is an hour and a half away Mm -hmm. by flight. I'm just like, I got to get out of here. I like to tell people that when you don't have, when you don't drink, your social element completely changes. Because it is a Muslim country and they are closer to Saudi, so they really do kind of abide by those like paradigms. But you just want to leave. So I, I travel. I'm out of here every like 45 days, probably. I travel Sometimes. very often. Well, I guess it's good that everything's super close then. I think that also helps because anything in the Middle East, Jordan is like an hour, like less than two hours. Jordan, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Oman, which you have to get a visa for, which is weird because I'm American. Um, like a lot of them are very close, mm-hmm. so you can just go. And then Europe is not that far. Uh, Ethiopia is like three and a half hours away. That's not bad. So is Dubai like people from Los Angeles just going to Vegas? You're like, oh, I just go for a weekend. Exactly. Really? We go for two days, Friday, Saturday, because that's the holiday there. That's the weekend. Mm-hmm. So you leave Thursday night. You get there Friday for brunch because you got to do the brunch turn up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then Saturday you chill and you come back Saturday night. Sunday you're back at work. Gotcha. Okay, so with being an expat, you get to travel a lot, which is awesome, and you actually get to go places. I'm envious of that, because when you're like when you're in Vegas, particularly on the uh, west coast of the U.S., you feel stuck. It's so hard to get other places. It's so far. Because that's even like when I come home. Mm-hmm. Like I've already taken an 18-hour flight to get to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Then I have to do another four and a half hour flight. But like you're, you have to consider layovers and. By the time you get home, you've been flying for, what, 22 hours? Mm-hmm. So how long does it take you to just to get to, say, London from Vegas? Um, I want to say it's like an 11-hour direct flight. 11 or 12-hour direct flight. That's direct, right? So yeah. then throw in some layovers because yeah. who's flying out of Vegas direct often? Virgin Atlantic has like one or two a week, and someone else might. Maybe British Airways. If I had their benefits, I would know, but I don't, so. They're a trash airline, so you're not missing much. I mean, I'm missing maybe a direct flight. <laughs> that feels like a lot. True. If there's that, it's just horrible. Okay, so what actually made you become an expat? Um, the money, right? That's why anybody would leave home. I mean, but particularly for Kuwait, because that's not like a normal place to expat. Because, like, I lived in Japan, and that's... You meet people who, like, oh, I want to spend a year in Japan, or you meet people who, like, ah, did a year abroad in Germany, but Kuwait. I will commit Kuwait for most people. If you're not either going to teach, um, because they are, are a higher paying area for teaching, mm-hmm. uh, military contractor, government contractor of that nature, of something of that nature, or oil, I mean, most of the time you end up over there. And a lot of Brits go for Al Shia, which is the. They own most of the shopping malls and food plazas and stuff. So you go for marketing, management, retail, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I ended up there because I was in Afghanistan. 
And I did that for five years. I was burnt out. I wanted to live a regular life and I wanted to get out of a combat zone. And so one of the things I manifested was I want to finish my contracting career in like a Kuwait or a Dubai. So I got a job offer for Kuwait and I left because the money is just, it's all tax free mm-hmm. uh, to a certain threshold and then you have to pay taxes over that. But I mean, you're paying taxes on a portion. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you're making $120,000, you only pay taxes on whatever is over that year's threshold. So I think this year okay. is 107. Mm-hmm. So the 13,000 is what you pay taxes at the full bracket of it. Okay. But that's why people go over because it's tax-free money. Because even if you're making 60, 60 over there versus 60 at home, what is 60 tax like 20%? Yeah, so you're basically losing almost a quarter of your pay not that we shouldn't pay taxes because that's the you know, I mean, God I do want to support my country, so. I'm I mean, I would too if they gave us, like, free health care for everybody. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, Kuwait's a different place, obviously. Like you said, it's a dry country, which, I mean, I've visited you in Kuwait, and that is a little rough. Just dry. It is. You, I mean, because you, people go to, like, you go to TGI Fridays or you go to, like, Cheesecake Factory and you're just like, so why are you charging me $8 for this fake-ass mimosa? <laughs> like, what's in it that's making it $8 besides the Sprite and oh, the... you have a virgin mimosa. It's just orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh! What's the other one? Mojito. Oh, okay. At least there's something. I was like... They, make it, they put some sparkly water in it. They want you to get the bubbles. Oh, gotcha. Like, hey, can I get a virgin screwdriver? <laughs> They're like, orange juice? Yes. yes. Thank but you. I want to make it feel special. Right. But I'm saying, so you like, but that takes a lot out of what you are used to. So if in a day you have, like, you're just tired, right? And you don't want to go to your friends. Because the other part about being an expat is that you're living in a country without your family. So your friends become like family to you. Mm-hmm. You're talking to people and you become close with people you might not have necessarily encountered because right. of just the environment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a pressure cooker environment. So relationships and friendships, they grow so much faster because like you are all you have. And in an environment like Kuwait where you don't have bars and you don't have clubs and you have like house parties and stuff, it's very small. It's a very small con- country. It's a very small community. So six degrees of separation is so real. That you just, you, your friends become your family. But if you want to meet somebody else, it's so difficult. Because right. you're going to run into somebody you know. And if even if, like, say that day you just don't want to, like, be known. You're just going to go drink some coffee and smoke some shisha by yourself. Is it because the expat community is so small? Well, Kuwait is small. But, yes, the expat community is very small. Okay. I'm telling you, if you know three people, those three people will know three people. And within two months, you'll know everybody. I think you'll run into somebody that knows somebody that knows who knows you, know. you. Yeah. So how did you kind of make your first friends when you got there? I was really, I, I want to say I had a really blessed situation. Like I mm-hmm. came into country and kicked off with uh, somebody who's really still a great friend to me now. Mm-hmm. And she introduced me to some people who then became like mm-hmm. my circle of friends. So within two weeks, I met pretty much the people I still hang out with wow. now. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. I didn't, I wasn't one of those people who had like a heart. One of my friends, she had a heart the first year. She didn't meet mm-hmm. anybody. She was trying, she was trying to, but she never met people she clicked with. Everybody I met initially are pretty much, if they're still there, who I hang out with. That's weird. Cause even like living in Japan, I feel like it took me 
about a year to really hit my stride. Right. Because I started off with a training class for teaching, and I mean, I still keep in touch with, like, at least half of them now, mm -hmm. but, like, there was a whole other subset that it took me forever to meet. So that's crazy that in two weeks you met the people that you still know. I'm, it was a really, it was a really big blessing. Like, one of my really good friends, I met her within two months, mm -hmm. and, like, the, I met the good people to go party with, the people who really travel, and they travel the way I like to travel, mm -hmm. you know? And then I think what happened with my, like, last-minute bookings was because, one, you're there, so you're close to things. Mm -hmm. Price doesn't actually fluctuate that much on tickets. Maybe, like, $100 within that window. What game are you playing? They don't. I know what air tickets look like. <laughs> they fluctuate. Well, uh, no, I mean, okay, so if they fluctuate out of your price, then you just change where you want to go. It's that so it's for us okay. it's that simple. It's just like, okay, well if we were all set on going here mm -hmm. and then we didn't book it, but we saw somewhere different, <laughs> we'll just go there. You're like, all we know is that we're going. We know the group that's going. Right. We're gonna find somewhere to go too. And we just book our hotels in the car when we're on our way. Like sometimes we but big weekends you can kinda get screwed and get like shitty accommodations. This sounds so haphazard. You had to have some bad trips after all this. Nah. No, um, no, I haven't actually you just throw shit together and it all works out yeah i mean even when i come to see you like say we when we meet up places mm -hmm. i normally book my ticket within that week no i we have talked about this i know you do that and it causes me so much undue stress i don't know why you're trying to like put gray hairs on my head i don't it just doesn't really bother me now if i'm coming home so I will say one time I was going to come home mm -hmm. and I, the tickets were 1700 mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that's doable. And then I waited, I waited, and then the tickets jumped to like $2,800. And I was like, fuck my life. So once I commit to coming to the States, like I have things like I have to just book the ticket. And at that point, I'm just really hurt because I'm wondering if this is a first class. Can I get a business <laughs> ticket? Like, can I get one leg that's actually upgradable? Like, right. can something work out in my favor? But most of the time, it doesn't actually... And then I use Google Flights, right? Mm -hmm. So I use Google Flights and I track my flights. Mm -hmm. I don't use Skyscanner because Skyscanner books through the worst shit. Oh, uh, they book through like those third party, third parties. Third party, third, exactly. They're horrible. Mm -hmm. But like that's the beauty of being an expat, like an expat, because you're with people who just naturally travel. Mm -hmm. So in Kuwait, we all want to get out all the time. People are going places. You hear where they're going. You're like, well, I'm going to just jump on your trip. Mm -hmm. Where are you going? What are you doing? Where are you staying? Okay, so it sounds like you're always trying to get out of Kuwait, but, like, what's it like just being in Kuwait? So, um, it is just really, like, let's see, how can I, as a woman, mm -hmm. you are automatically a second-class citizen. Like, I don't want to say a second-class citizen, but just, you're not, coming from a Western country, you're mm -hmm. not as important as you actually think you are. It's the worst thing for a woman to go take care of something herself. Say you got a ticket and you have to go to the police station, mm -hmm. like... That is the worst thing ever. I've had so many really bad situations. It's probably why I'm always trying to get the hell out of there. Because I had some, I've had some horrible situations. Like when I first, first, first got to Kuwait, mm -hmm. I didn't understand the dynamics of it, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm like, I'll take care of things myself. Yeah. I also didn't understand the ramifications of drinking in a dry country. It is dry. It is illegal. But I'm just like, oh, it's just drinking. I don't, I don't get it. That didn't hit you? No, it didn't hit me. So I'm like, I'm out. I'm in this Mabula, which is kind of like hoodish. And I went to a party, and I'm in, like, this little crop top and this little tight skirt. And we're leaving the party, and I have, like, a red cup in my hand. And I'm just walking across the street because I'm now on bus. And I'm not even paying attention, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't see the cop car just, like, swoop out of nowhere, pull over. <laughs> and he was just like, 
give me your civil ID. So you have these residencies or civil IDs. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what's civil ID? Well, okay. But I'm with my friends and um, he's like, he's talking to the police. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, I'm just going to stand back and I'm going to let him take care of it, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what you do in a male-dominated country. You just let them take care of it. I'm not going to be super safe a hoe. I'm just going to stand here and I'm going to mind my place and I'm just going to be good. And so the police officer in his minimal English comes over and he was just like, civil ID. So I take my drink. I put my drink down. I've, you still have your drink? Of course. How drunk were you that you decided not to just like throw it on the I ground? just didn't even think of it. Like, first off, liquor is expensive. Like, when you actually get real bottles, you're paying club prices for these bottles. So, I'm like, I'm not going to throw my liquor out. Who does that? Like, who, in what world? Not in mine. the world that it's illegal? Right. Well, it wasn't occurring to me at that point. So, I sit my drink down. I pick, take my ID out of my wallet. I give it to the police officer. I pick my drink back up. And I'm just like, do 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 Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that gives me the strength of the story. <laughs> and so, he's just like... Uh, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm American. He was like, no, Ethiopian. I was like, nah, I'm American. He was like, hmm. So he walks off. And so um, this is actually my boyfriend. He ended up being my boyfriend. But So he's arguing with him back and forth, going back and forth like, you know, just let us go. It's no problem. We're, we're not still holding this drink. Right. We're, um, we're not coming from a party. You know, we're just leaving. I'm just taking her home. And so then he looks at me and the guy's like, she didn't give me her civil ID. So then he asked me, he comes to me, he's like, Missy, do you have fucking liquor? What are you doing with this cup in your hand? And I was like, why would I throw it out? He was like, you don't throw that damn thing back. He's like, get this shit out your hand. What's wrong with you? Right? I was just like, damn, that was in my drink. Hmm. He's like, he said he didn't give you ID. I'm like, I gave him my ID. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, well, first off, why are you yelling at me? And secondly, yes, I gave him my ID. It was in his hand. I'm going to question you too because you still hold a cup of liquor. Right. So then the police officer comes back. Um, officer comes back and he's just like, uh, Ethiopian, Ethiopian. I'm like, no, I'm American. And he's like, oh, oh, no, Ethiopian. I'm like, no, I'm American. Mm-hmm. Because now I'm first in the country. I don't understand quite what's going on. I mean, I get that he's pulling us over. It's a, it's a really bad place to be dressed, how I'm mm-hmm. dressed. But then he's like, well, she didn't give me the ID. And so I'm like, I gave him my ID. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just looking around like, what the fuck is going on here? And I'm starting to get angry because now my drink is on the floor. He's holding us. starting to get angry? Yeah, now it, it's a little bit chilly. And I'm just like, well, what is he talking about? He doesn't have my ID. He was like, he says he didn't. I'm like, I gave it to him. It's, it, he took it from me. Mm-hmm. So then I'm just like, well, let me go talk to the officer myself because at this point I'm like done with this male chauvinist shit. So they have walked to their car. They get inside of their car. And I'm just like, I go to the window and I'm like, Hi. Um, he's saying that you don't have my ID, but I gave you my ID. Mm-hmm. He's like, no. I was like, who the fuck are you talking to? So then I just lose my shit. I was like, I gave you my motherfucking ID. It's in your goddamn pocket. I suggest you give my fucking ID back. Right? But at this point, they just look at me like, <gasps> and as I'm talking, I'm getting very aggressive. Because now I'm pissed off. I'm like, how are you telling me I don't have my, you have my ID. Mm-hmm. Give me my shit. So at this point, I'm like, give me my shit. And I reach in the car. Because... In my mind, I saw myself taking the seatbelt and, like, wrapping around his head what? to get my ID back. And then I was just like, when I saw their faces, I realized I'm half in the window. And I just need to pull back. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. That escalated. But I just like my ID back. And then the guy I'm with, he's like, pulls, he's like, what are you doing? So now I step back from the car and the car is right here. So me and him are facing and I'm yelling and we're yelling at each other. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I want my ID back. 
And he's like, you can't do that in this country. And so they is, take this as a... Is there a, a country that you can do that in? Probably not. Right, right, right. Probably not. But I'm, I get aggressive when mm -hmm. I get angry. So they take this as an opportunity to go, and they drive off. And I'm like, he has my ID. So then we go run to the car, jump in our car to chase the police. So oh we're trying, we're, ch we're chasing the police, right, to get him to stop. But somehow they like hit a couple corners and I lost them. Well, he lost them because I was in the thing. He's yelling at me. I was like, just buy the cop car. And so we come back to the place where we are at because that was actually, we were leaving out of where they lived. And I'm just pissed. And he's just like, yo, you got to calm down. This is not America. I'm like, fuck that. You high speed Chase, please. <laughs> I'm so done with this story. What? I did, what? I did. I was, we, I mean, I was trying to get, so your civil ID is like, it, it is like your social security card. It is literally, it has your address, it has your, your ID number, it is attached to everything. Mm -hmm. Like, they travel ban people, which means that any little thing that happens, yeah. you can't leave the country. You're stuck in that country. So I was just like, I want mine back. And plus, I started hearing like these crazy stories where the police officers, would like snatch up women and like rape them and leave them in the alleys and everything. So I started getting like, well, shit, now they know where I'm living. Hmm, that's not good. And he's just like, I'll, I'll just chill out, I'll get it back. So this is the thing. I think I had been there maybe two and a half months, maybe. Mm -hmm. Very, very new. So one of our, our Kuwaiti friends that came out, she's like, they can't do it. I'm like, right? But they can't, right? She's like, no, they can't do that to you. You're American. I'm like, well, I guess they said fuck me because they did it to me. Right? That, I was like, they're gone. Do you know them? And do you know did, did you know who they were? She was like, I was in the house. Of course you were in the house because it's legal to be drinking out here, you know. But Kuwait is the type of country where you have to, you know, that you have to conform to certain things. The thing was, now I got to call somebody for this thing called WASTA because you have to get, I have to get my civil ID back. Mm -hmm. The only way I can get it back is the game they like to play is for you to show up to the police department and then they all don't speak English and then they don't want to like help you and they want to pass you around and like waste your time and irritate you or they just want to see you in person, right? Because he kept thinking I was Ethiopian, like I was lying about where I was from because in Kuwait, there's a there's a hierarchy, right? There's mm -hmm. a very classist, a uh, caste system type of country, and there is there are laborers in the working class because Kuwaitis don't work, and then there's Western expats that work in the country doing different things. But um, you know, like there's a whole hierarchy. So mm -hmm. I started feeling like, well, I didn't get this until later, but I realized that as an American, people leave me alone. Mm -hmm. They look at me, they see I'm black. Then they figure out that I'm not from one of the African countries. And then they say, Americani, Americani. And you're like, yes, they, they treat you differently. Because now it's... Not always, apparently. Well, yeah, apparently not. Because he didn't believe me. How did you get your ID back, though? Oh, um, a friend of a friend knew the police chief of that region. And mm -hmm. he called in the favor. So you have to pull... Like, mm -hmm. Wasa is like uh, having clout or something like that. Yeah. And so the police, he went to the police station, like, who took the American girl's ID? And they gave it to him, and I got it back a couple days later. But if I didn't know yeah. anybody that didn't know anybody, I wouldn't have got my stuff back. And clearly good to know people. True. Places. Like, that is the country that, that is a businessman country. You should, you have to know somebody. But, like, one of, living, one of the things about living in Kuwait is um, you just get so tired of, it's such a big cultural difference. Mm -hmm. Because when I moved out of my company housing, I moved into a neighborhood mm -hmm. that was basically... Arab speaking mm -hmm. and I didn't know any better because they don't really put their listings online and I was just walking around 
and like your Harris, which is like a super doesn't speak English. And then the manager of the building didn't speak English. The only person that spoke English was the owner and they didn't want to give me the owner's name. Mm-hmm. So I was living in there with my friend. She lived one floor down from me and we just never could like, we're playing Pictionary every time we're gestures, every time we need something done. Cause it's like, do you, but you're forced to learn some of the languages. So mm-hmm. being in Kuwait is kind of like, it's just a little bit like stressful. Mm-hmm. It, it can't, in the beginning, it was very, very, very stressful. <laughs> it sounds like it. It sounds like you're going through struggle city. You don't understand. Listen, so people are just crooked and you cannot allow them to get away. Okay. So is that the biggest culture shock you went through or was it a real, like a whole bunch? It was a whole bunch. I mean, you would think that I would go through basic culture shocks like food, right? Mm-hmm. But America, America, <laughs> Kuwait has a bunch of American restaurants. Mm-hmm. So we've gone over there and, and totally ate up a lot of their retail space for food. So, I mean, like, it was never food issues for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a, my culture shock came with, like, being a woman and not being able to do things for myself. Mm-hmm. Having to rely on somebody else, particularly a man, to do it for me. Right? Because I feel like I'm very self-sufficient. So that was really hard. Then we moved into this building where nobody really spoke English. And mm-hmm. we'd have these crazy problems. And you're trying to get the shit solved. And you can't even get it resolved because you can't convey it. I mean, like, I got down to the point where even now I still do it. Mm-hmm. I just send emojis when I'm trying to get something done. Like, my water pipe bust in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And it was doing a slow leak. And the, all of the homes there are built out of um, concrete. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So when you have a leak through concrete, it stains everything. So I keep telling them to come out and fix this, right? So these people come out, and then they like to come out at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Is that a male-dominated society problem, or is it just like a language problem? No. It could be a language problem, mm-hmm. but it is a male issue as well. I mean, because when you're calling somebody to fix something for you, they mm-hmm. respond differently to men than they do to women. Oh, yeah. A man calls and says something, hey, fix this. It's urgent, even if he can't speak the language. A woman says it, it's like, meh, meh. You really don't, like, you don't have a man to call for you? Like, no man cares enough about you to help you out that you have to call me yourself? Trash. It's like throwing the baby with the bathwater out. They just look at you like, you're not important. So, one time I had to leak. Okay, mm-hmm. so I had the leak. They came out at like 10.30 at night on a weekday that I'm working to fix this pipe. To stand on them, their shoulders, to get up to this pipe, to open it, to take like a towel and wrap it around the pipe that's leaking. And then like, ah, class. And then they leave. I'm like, okay, maybe it's something I don't know about. Four days later, bitches leave. It's leaking again. Obviously. Right. So now I'm going ham. I'm yelling. And they don't understand common thread in these stories ah yes i'm always yelling (laughs) i can have like i couldn't do so they fix that i mean culture shocks culture shocks like americans are nice we we naturally speak i think a lot of us don't think that we're we're cordial with one another but american culture more times than not you say hello when you're Mm -hmm. walking or hi and you're hi or you're bubbly or something of that nature you say hello you speak um, they speak when they walk in rooms, whole rooms, but, um, it, for a woman to speak to a man, mm-hmm. it's not normal, right? Cause it's mm-hmm. taken as a different way. So I went down to get, um, some shears for my house one time. We were in the fabric district. There were some shears. I went with my friend Tracy. We're walking through and we find some nice shears. 
Well, the guy comes up and he's like, hi, how can I help you? I was like, hey, how are you? How are you doing? He's like, oh, hi. So we're like talking mm -hmm. and we go down, we pick out shares and he's just like, okay, so I will come to um, install them. And I'm like, cool. And Trace is like, why is he coming to install them? I was like, well, I don't know. Why would he not? She's like, yeah, but is it happening for everybody or is he just specifically coming to install <laughs> yours? Because she had already been there for a year. And I'm yeah. like, ah, she's tripping. I don't know. And then she asked, like, the coity lady that was sitting there. She was like, excuse me, ma'am. Who's installing your blinds? Is mm -hmm. it him or is it, like, a team that's coming out? And she didn't really speak English. But she's trying to convey, like, oh, some people are coming out to put up the, the curtains. Mm -hmm. He was like, no, I'm going to come out and specifically do it. He told me a price point, And I was like, okay. So... He's like, oh, let's take a picture. So we take a picture. I mean, at this point, you're not finding this suspicious, though, even after Trace, you talked to this person? No. I mean, did you find it, like, particularly suspicious that people were touching your hair when you were in Japan and China? I did. I started swatting. I was like, get away from me. <laughs> no. Right. But you have to, like, because otherwise people would be all in you. So be like, no. Olive oil. Olive oil. Okay, well, maybe my naivety kind of got me. This is all in the beginning. So these are culture shocks. So Okay. He's coming, he's calling. Now he's calling at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I told Tracy, she was like, see, I told you, that's not normal. <laughs> so I told um, the guy I was dating mm -hmm. uh, to come over the night he was going to come over. Because he's like, I can't come over to install. I have to measure because he's giving me a free rod. And he was going to come at like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, that's weird. So I was like, you can't come off or come earlier? He was like, no, I got to come when I get off. I'm like, okay. So I had him come over. When he got to the apartment... And then he saw um, the guy there. Mm -hmm. He just went off. Like, he was so angry. He was just like, ah, ah, ah. He was, like, saying things in Arabic. We don't know what he's saying. Mm -hmm. I just left to let um, him handle it because I felt like there was no reason for me. So what was supposed to be, like, 40 KD, which was $120, $20 mm -hmm. doubled in price because mm -hmm. I was just like, it's 50 KD for install fee. I'm like, $150? What? Mm -hmm. So what was like supposedly only a hundred turned out to be three hundred dollars. This man was mad. He was just he was so angry, and I realized I'm like, man, he thought he was coming over to get something. He was gonna take advantage and try to rape me. So after that, mm -hmm. you know, that was an experience, and then I started thinking, okay, now I have to be more mindful of how mm -hmm. I'm interacting. So you have to stop speaking like you can't be friendly, and I'm a naturally like, hey, how are you type of person. You can't do that because I've just are had you some. Though? I am. More friendly than you. I mean, are you though? I am. I'm very cordial. I say hello and I ask people how they're doing all the time. And I always say thank you. It's a polite thing to do. I mean, I do that too, but it's just within reason. Shut that stuff down. <laughs> like, we're not conversing here. I'm buying these blinds. That's what I came to do. That's all I'm coming to do. Man, yeah. I, it's just, I don't know. It's a different culture. So that was my culture shocks is not being able to, how people kept trying to take advantage. And then like, there's a hustler spirit there because if you are not an ex, like a Western expat, you're just trying to make your dollar stretch because they okay. don't pay you much. Yeah. I had somebody come paint walls one time. I mean, I have stories for days. So I'm just telling this one and then we can move on. But I had somebody come paint my walls. He did such a shitty job. <laughs> Him and his two team members and they kept putting water in the paint. I didn't understand it. Like, he took a gallon paint and mm -hmm. put a bunch of water in it, stirred it, and then was painting. Maybe it's a oh, cement wall trying to uh, then stretch it, that paint. Yeah. Right. I paid for the paint. Why are you sure? I mean, see, this is why I don't know how much I paid for the paint. True. Yeah. So, 
they did such a bad job. I was like, no, you need to come back and redo this. And I don't like this color and everything. So he came back out. He took me to go pick out the new color. Him and his two guys came to repaint. I'm like, you guys have fucked up the baseboards. You got to really like try to fix this because I'm not paying up the apartment to do this. Mm -hmm. So he gets done painting and I'm by myself. And when he's done, I'm like, oh, okay. Looks much better. I like it. Thank you. He's like, oh, that'll be 100 KD, which is uh, $333. And I'm just like, for what? Because I just paid you to come in and fix this, right? Yeah. I'm just yeah. like, I'm just telling you to fix it. You said you'd fix it. You didn't say you were recharging me. He was like, no, you will pay. I was like, oh, no, I'm not paying. He was like, oh, yes, you will pay. And I'm just like, the fuck I am? And so we're standing there, and I'm like, well, you're done. Get your shit. Get out. He's like, no, you need to pay me. So then I'm like, I'm not paying you for anything. You did such a horrible job the first time. Mm -hmm. Why would I pay you for the second time for you correcting the mistakes you did? Like, he literally half painted a wall because he didn't want to take a shelf off. <laughs> the laziness like just taped it out and painted just the no, I didn't even tape I had oh. to show them how to tape it was so aggravating so he's just like I'm not leaving until you pay me I was like well I'm not fucking paying you getting out of my house he was like I'm not leaving then I said well how much is the paint I'll pay for the paint he was like 20 KD I said you pay you expect me to give you $60 for this paint no so we're going back and forth I'm supposed to meet up with my friends mm -hmm. and he's just like he's not leaving I was like oh you're gonna get out of my house He's like, I'm not leaving. I'm like, you're going to get out. So then my friends were downstairs and I told, they, I call, I am, they called me. I answered the phone and I'm yelling and they're like, what's the problem? I'm like, this guy's talking about he's not leaving. So the two of them came up and now it's three black women. And I'm just like, you're not getting no money. You need to get fuck out. Like, that's it. He was like, how am I going to pay the guys? I was like, it's a shitty day for them. I don't know. Come out your pocket, bro. He said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe next time you don't put so much water in, you learn, you teach them how to tape before you fucking come in their house. And, but we Jeez. were going back and forth. And they, I think if I had been there by myself, he might have probably tried to hit me. Because I was just like, I'm not giving you no money. So I told some other people, they're like, you didn't pay him? I was like, fuck, no, I didn't pay him. Are you kidding me? So how are you finding these contractors? Well, they're not really contractors. like shade tree mechanics. But for like, they're like jack of all trades, master of none. I just need a couple extra bucks. So you just find somebody that you like, hey, who do you, who's your handyman that you use? Oh, okay. And they send them over. And then depending on, as Americans, they want to take advantage of you. I mean, these are people, like, like you've seen their work and you're No. Like, oh. I'm going by word. Ah, okay. But you know what? Some people pay more for things than others. I'm not, I'm not allowing you to do that to me. So this is one of the problems I have with these men. I will square up. We are not, I'm not giving you any money. You're so serious about this, too. I'm serious. So now what I do is, because of the whole thing, I realized I was getting so many, like, altercations. I try to just go professional around. If I have to pay triple the amount, I'm going to do that. As opposed to dealing with these fuck, these people that are over here trying to run my pockets. Because mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't have the temperament. It just was, like, ridiculous. The culture shock was that. Every time I'm encountering somebody who's trying to take advantage of me. Right? I understand hustler spirit, but like mm -hmm. you're always trying to take advantage. And then there's the language barrier. Mm -hmm. And so you get a different price than the next person gets. I'm just like, so why can't you just write a, a price down? They don't want to write prices down for anything. The driving is bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, like driving is bad there. I'm a horrible driver now because I have to learn how to survive there. But yeah. Seeing people drive on the shoulder of the road was really disconcerting and like no respect for lights. So how, how was it like the first time you drove? Um, I drove kind of slow. Um, 
I didn't drive like the first three months I was there because mm-hmm. I was like, I just want to get used to it. I just felt like it was going to be an accident. And then the thing is, you have to speed. You have to swerve. My depth perception is, is so much better now than it was. I do drive on the shoulder. I be moving, you know, in mm-hmm. and out. We weave. You are constantly looking around because you're always expecting somebody to cut you off. Mm-hmm. Like we tailgate. The driving was just really scary at first. And then afterwards, now I just drive like they drive. Okay. What's the normal, like, uh, speed limit on the highway there? 120 kilometers per hour. So was that 80? Okay. And so then what do you typically drive? Because when I was in the car with you, I felt like we were flying. It felt like we were going 120 miles an hour. Between 80 and 100. Yeah. That is so safe. You know what was crazy? The ambulance, when the ambulance was coming up. Because that's a disconcerting experience seeing them not able to get through. Yeah, never. I'll never get in an ambulance. They said somebody died last couple weeks ago in the ambulance because they couldn't get through traffic. Nobody respects it. I mean, hell, for a police officer to pull you down, they damn near have to bump your car over. Or they yell at the speaker like, da 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 And you have to pull over. Have you gotten pulled over? Several times, of course. I mean, it's weird because they pulled me over... And I think they were going to fuck with me until they saw a man in the car. <laughs> right? And so when he saw the man, he was like, oh, go. But if it was just me, they would have did it. I mean, I've had the experience where I got pulled over once. I was driving on the shoulder. I just happened to be going 120. Like I was just trying to get around the car. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't really going to drive in the shoulder the whole time. But anyway, I'm the person that got pulled over. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you, you missed the last seven people that did it, but whatever. That was, um, he just gave me a ticket and I'm expecting. So I give him my driver's license. He comes back, gives me the ticket, and then I'm like, okay, give me my driver's license. He's like, no. I'm like, what? You got to stop giving these people your ID, clearly. I'm never. I'm never going to do it. I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> he took my driver's license, was like, I'm going to go take it to, I don't know what he said. I'm going to take it to the police station, and I have to pick it up there. But how do they have you drive without your license then after that? Apparently, he didn't give a shit. Because I, I was somebody, my friend was like, why would you give him your license? I'm like, I got pulled over. What do you mean? Why would I give him my... I mean, like, why would I not? Now I'm going to not. So it's just a cultural thing where you don't give your license there? Some people... So what she told me to do was she was like, I would have drove. I would have just... I would have stopped and then I would have told him to follow me to my house and then I would have had um, what's-his-face come down and talk to the police officer for you. She's like, Uh, you don't ever interact with them. Have a man do it. Huh. Okay, well, I mean, so you have this advice for now. The next time you got pulled over, did you try that? Or have you not gotten pulled over? I've not gotten pulled over. I've slowed down. I was paying so many tickets. I felt like I was dealing like... They have cameras all over the place. Okay, so I've slowed down. I mean, just generally what happened was... What changed about my mentality was my boyfriend, he left Kuwait. Mm -hmm. So once that buffer left, I realized it was just kind of me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to rely on like my friends to go do things for me because you're asking them to take their time out to go take care of things for you so mm-hmm. I've just really like made my home my haven and um I moved closer in so I'm not in the city as far as I was I was driving like an hour to work at one point mm-hmm. but it was really nice living and I think like I've just really like honed in my schedule I know where I have a after being there four years I know where to go I have better cultural norms I understand it much better because like the shock of it all was starting to really wear on my spirit. Yeah. It was like I was drained. I would go home and just be so drained. I wouldn't want to leave the house. And then I had to move out of the building. So I didn't know how bad it was living in that building mm-hmm. where they didn't speak English mm-hmm. until I moved to a nice building that they did speak English. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, my God, I was fucking tired. 
Because, like, you didn't have water. I didn't have water for three weeks. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I, I messaged one of my Kuwaiti friends, like, hey, can you please just translate this for me? And all he had to do, I haven't gone back and forth with him for three weeks. All he had to do was go up to the roof and switch the hot water heater thing on that he had turned off. Why? He turned off the hot water just entirely? Yeah, one of the Turkish guys in the building didn't like hot water. So he turned it off for the entire building or just, like, a few apartments? I'm assuming the whole building because I was hot. I was taking cold showers. I was so frustrated. That's crazy. I was no boiling else. water. Trying, and I'm making, I'm paying like a decent amount of rent. It was that. I mean, I've had like, oh, I didn't know that the buildings, they come with heat. It makes sense because it's so hot there in the summer though. True, but it gets cold in the winter. Okay. It gets like 30s. So imagine your apartment mm-hmm. at 30 degrees. But what Fahrenheit. do you do then? You get space heaters. Okay. I mean, the beauty of Kuwait, actually, one of the perks, okay, so some of the perks are, mm-hmm. you don't have utilities, so your rent is all-inclusive, so oh, I don't nice. pay for water, I don't pay for electricity, I don't, I don't pay for, I mean, gas, none of that, it's all included. That's a pretty good benefit, but I can see why they wouldn't put any heat. They're like, you figure it out, <laughs> basically, so you have space heaters all over the place, walking around like goddamn Eskimo. Oh, I'm trying to remember, I feel like I went there in February, and it wasn't that cold. Oh, you were in the nice apartment with heat. Oh, that one had heat. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, you made it sound like nobody had heat in that No, country. some buildings don't have heat. That building was a nice building. It had okay. heat and air and English-speaking staff and meals three times a week. So when you were sending over emojis, what were you sending for cold water? Just like little snowflakes? And- <laughs> <laughs> the little water one, like the shower, uh-huh. and then, yeah, like little snowman, right? Cold, and then I send vo- really broken voice milk. Water, no hot, please fix. Then I learned uh, Mafi Harmai, which is no hot water. Mm-hmm. So then what were you getting back after you said that? Nothing. Oh, okay, so there's no response. No, he just show up. Okay, so like he was showing up. So what? Well, then why did it take three weeks? I'm confused. Me too. Fuck if I know. It, I, I don't know. I just knew I was taking showers at people's houses because I was like, I just need some hot water, please. <laughs> please, can you take a hot shower, please? <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what to he didn't understand why what I was saying Mm -hmm. until he was just like oh I almost struggled him do you know I almost took the life out of him oh no so the next building was really nice and then my apartment now I saw it in the summer Mm -hmm. so it never occurred it did not occur to me because I was used to a luxury life that this building didn't have heat no that makes sense that's one of those things you don't think about until you have to think about it yeah so you're freezing you got like 17 space heaters in your house. So if you had to like start your experience of living in Kuwait again, what would you do to make it easier? Or what would you tell someone else who's moving to Kuwait so that they don't deal with these levels of struggle? Um, well, I would say as a black woman, I guess it depends on how you live. Like I've lived outside of the Western bubble a mm-hmm. lot of my, my time there. So meaning that I'm not around a lot of English speakers. I have been in in more Arab-type neighborhoods, and I I really want to go experience what they have to offer. So Mm -hmm. I I don't always eat at, like, the American restaurants. I do detach myself from those. So if you are just there to make money, and you know you're only going to be there for a short short amount of time, Mm -hmm. just stay in the bubble. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But if you know you want to experience, like, actually be an expat, actually know the culture... Just be prepared that the language is a bit harder. There's mm-hmm. 17 different dialects of Arab 
Arabic, it's just really hard to learn. I, I don't even... Egyptians speak different than Lebanese and, and Kuwaitis mm -hmm. and Emiratis. They all have different dialects. Um, I would just say be prepared. As a woman, mm -hmm. as a black woman, understand that I know I speak up more. I'm way more vocal now. I'm definitely more aggressive. Mm -hmm. I'm not letting, don't cut, don't let anybody cut you off. Like, don't let anybody take something from you. You don't have mm -hmm. to endure it because you are American at the end of the day. Like, period. Mm -hmm. Just make sure they understand that you're American and, and abuse your American privilege. You know what's funny, though? It's because when I was in Kuwait, I had a slightly different experience. I felt like people were unbelievably nice to me. Yeah, I don't know what Kuwait you were in. Like, I literally had sent you a message. I'm like, are people here just, like, unusually nice? You're like, no, I'm leaving work. We got to continue this out. <laughs> I did, because you kept talking about, I'm going to hop in the car. What? I, I think I left work, like, six hours early that day. I was like, I'm going to come to my sister, because I don't know where she's about to end up. That's how they start. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. They start. So you met a woman that was nice. Mm -hmm. Imagine meeting a man that's like, oh, and he seemed nice and decent. No, he's trying to take you to the desert, rape you, and throw your body out. No, I probably wouldn't have, like, gotten in the car with this stranger. But, like, that one guy who we were trying to take a picture of the uh, Kuwait Tower, and he's like, no, that's not how you take a photo, and just took my camera and took the picture. We were walking out of the museum. Yeah, but also, like, in the city, it's a bit different. Like, the city okay. is more refined. You have, a, I think, a better... Well, it's like anywhere you go, though. The city, you're going to find people that are used to dealing with more types yes. of people. Yes. So it's... Okay, so because I was in the city, I had a different experience. If I was like an hour outside of town, like where you took me to get my hair done, that would have been a different experience. That would have been a around. totally different experience. If you were talking about, I'll catch a cab. I would be there to get you. <laughs> One of these cab... I'm telling these cab drivers, like, they're just little perverts. These people just in general are... I'm not going to say that all of them are that way, mm -hmm. but they will try you. And if you let them, they will try you. I mean, you, you keep your pepper spray, right? Yes. Yes. But I also talk a lot of shit. Oh. So they um, understand it's going to be a whole fight. A lot of me. Okay. Throwing all my weight behind this. I mean, expat life sounds interesting. The way you're oh, living it. it's so it. nice. Like, I really feel like everybody's <laughs> trying it out. It's a really good experience. Yeah, there's more frustration than there. I mean, there's a lot of positive to it, though. Okay. Yeah. That's the impression I got from all of this. I would think so, yes. I That's what I was hoping that I was conveying. So, like, you do you actually like expat life? I love living overseas, honestly. Okay. I really enjoy it. I like the travel aspect. Everything is really close. Culturally, I've gotten used to where I'm at now, so mm -hmm. I understand how to fit in. Really, once you... Oh, that was the thing. As a woman, when you go to Kuwait, my thing would just be understand your, your privilege as a woman. Don't look at it as a negative, because I okay. looked at it as a negative. Mm-hmm. But once you just get used to somebody taking care of stuff for you, you just tell them, like, you know where we're at. You know I can't do that myself. And they'll go do it for you. You know what I'm saying? Because they'll take care of you. So, like, that's one of those things that you have to, like, if you can reconcile with that early on, mm -hmm. it will be much easier. And make sure you keep a, people, a couple people who speak Arabic around you. It makes okay. it so much better. Because when you get tickets on your car, you don't know what they say. You know, that's everywhere you go, though. This is true. Yeah, and I needed some people that spoke Japanese around me because... There will just be times when you don't know what's going on and you have to rely on someone else. You have to. So, like, you have to get comfortable with, with that, with relying on somebody else mm -hmm. but not giving up your independence. Okay. But, I mean, I really enjoy it. Like, my whole dream is to buy a place in Dubai mm -hmm. um, and then split my time between the states and there. But I think that's just because I've been in the Middle East now 10 years. Nice. So, I enjoy it. 
Mm -hmm. it's, it's safe there. Like the positive parts of this is that it's very safe. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to kill somebody who tries to kill you. So it just escalated. That escalated <laughs> so quickly. <laughs> no, but it's nice though, because I put a peephole in my door and they were just like, so American. Like who's, Missy, like who's going to come get you? There's times I fall asleep in my house with my door unlocked. I forget to lock the door. I mean, I rent, I leave, you can leave your purse and your stuff in your car. Nobody's breaking into your car. Okay. Nobody's stealing. You could leave money on your, and nobody's going to steal it. Man, you got to love a safe place though. Yeah. So it has those benefits because you're not really worried on that level. As a woman, you're kind of just being very cognizant of who's around you. That's true everywhere though. I feel like, yeah, you got to, you always have to be aware of your surroundings. It doesn't matter where you are though. This is true. So, I mean, like, it has really big perks. I, like, I just, I've gotten used to the culture. Okay. And when I come back home, sometimes I'm just, like, damn. So, is Kuwait, like, a home for you? Or is it still, like, a place that you just happen to be? Mm, I kind of call it home. I've been there for a while. I have friends that are, like, family. I know my way around. I think once you, like, really know your way around mm -hmm. a place and you know where to go to do certain things... Like, you start feeling kin to that space. Mm -hmm. um, because I think right now, if I really actually hated it, I would have left by now. Fair point. You've been there for years. Yes. And they pay well. So, you know, like, you're going to go where the money's at. Most people will go where the money's at. Well, fun time to next pet land. Yes. It's, it sounds like you're on a journey. A journey. <laughs> I have hot water this year. That's all you need in life. Yes, that's all you need. Okay, I'm gonna check back in.